This morning, as we dive in uh, to God's Word, we are actually pausing on our Hebrew series for just a few weeks. Don't worry, we're going to come right back into uh, that Hebrew series, and we're going to kind of weave in and out of that uh, all year long. I'm excited about that series. God's been doing so much. But we're going to pause for just a few weeks, and we're going to dive into a series that we have entitled The Blessed Life. And the subtitle is When God is Involved in Your Finances. The Blessed Life, When God is Involved in Your Finances. Now, some of you have been really excited about church all morning until I just said the word finances. And all of a sudden, man, I see some eyes, people looking at, oh, my word, this we should have skipped this week, honey. I knew we shouldn't have come. He's getting ready to talk about money. And I knew this church, man. I knew all they wanted was my money. And all of those things that a pastor that gets ready to preach on giving uh, thinks about all week long. Listen to me, friends. Here's what I got to tell you. The first thing I got to tell you is there are over 2,000 Bible verses about money. That's a whole lot of verses. The other thing I got to tell you is this subject was talked about by Jesus more than 99% of subjects. In fact, in fact, it was the second subject that Jesus talked about the most. The first was the kingdom of God. The second was money. He talked about money more than he did about heaven and hell. Over half of his parables, his stories that he told were about money. And how many of you think if the Bible talks about it and Jesus made such an emphasis on it, we should probably talk about it as well, right? So we're going to dive in this morning, and with that in mind, I'm going to read what I think is the most basic passage about money. We're going to read from a, a, a version of God's Word called The Message, and then we're going to dive into the New International Version as I speak this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, verses 20, 19 through 24 actually says this, don't hoard treasure. Down here where it gets eaten by moss and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars, stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and where you're going to end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. You open your eyes wide in wonder and belief. Your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. Verse 24, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. I want to speak to you very briefly for the next few minutes on this subject. Let's talk this morning about treasure. Let's talk about treasure. Let's pray. God, help us. Amen. How many of you, how many of you have ever owned something that once used to have a lot of value, but now it is absolutely worthless? Raise your hands. I just thought of a few things like that, and uh, I'm going to date myself as I talk about uh, some of the things, but uh, I got a picture of the first one here. And uh, let's just leave that up. That is actually called, for those of you that are uh, 35 and younger, this was a piece of electronics that we had in our homes. This is called a VCR, okay? Now, I see the teenagers and the young adult college students like, I don't even know what that is, okay? 
a VCR. Now, this is what happened. You would press in this, this, uh, this cassette tape, this, the recorder deal, and you could watch movies in your house. It was so cool. I'm telling you, man, like, I know y'all think it's lame, but when this came out, there had been nothing like it. And the rich people didn't have one VCR. They had multiple VCRs in their house. They had them in different rooms. I'm going to tell you, if you own a VCR, I'm going to tell you how much you can get, what your VCR is worth in today's world. It is absolutely, positively worthless. I dare you, if you own a VCR, to put it up on Facebook Marketplace and see if you can get anything out of it, okay? Here's another one, okay? Let's, let's look at another one, kind of speaking on the movies thing. Uh, yeah. Now, I'm not going to lie. I miss this, okay? So this is a place where you would actually get in your car. Yep, you, you had to leave your house, and you would drive to this store. And my favorite part was you would walk down the aisles, back and forth, and you would pick up the movies, you'd turn the thing, and you'd read the, you know, the caption, and you'd think about it, and, and uh, what I would always do is I would collect a big stack of them, and even though we were only going to rent two or three, I would say, okay, this one's a, a maybe, this one's a maybe, and I would put it in my, my hands, and then you'd leave the store, you'd actually purchase to rent it, and you'd leave the store, and you'd rent it for a certain amount of days, and then you'd have to get in your car, and you'd have to drive back to the store, and you'd have to return it. Now, how many of you miss Blockbuster? Raise your hands. you miss Blockbuster. I know. I know. I know it makes us old, but I miss that. It was, the whole thing was like it's experience, you know? And, uh, and now it's like a 30-second experience from your couch. And then it was like a two-hour experience to get movies, you know? And so the, the, here's, here's another one. Uh, let's, go, let's go. Okay, there's another one. Yeah. This is called a cassette tape, okay? And... Uh, and you would push this sucker in, and it would play music. It was so amazing. Let's move on, all right? And so, yep, that is called a paper map, okay? Now, this is where I part paths. I miss Blockbuster. I, I, I never could read one of these things, okay? But this is a, a paper map. It's like a piece of paper, and here's the deal. For any of you who've never used it, many of you in the room, you unfold it. Okay, and so, or you get this big, you know, book that's like that big that you got to figure out where to put it in your car, and, uh, but uh, a small, you would unfold that thing, you know, and, and then somebody would navigate in the driver's, or the passenger seat, and tell the driver where to go, and that, that's called a map. Now, we not only have a GPS system, we got Siri, and I love Siri, I just got to tell you, Siri soothes me, okay, uh, she is uh, near and dear to my heart, so, that's, that's called a map. Now, you look at these things, and you've you, you got to understand something. History teaches us a lesson, and it's the same lesson that Jesus is teaching us in this passage. Here's what history teaches us. Our stuff will be worthless. The stuff that we collect here on the earth, the treasure, okay, that we, we spend so much time and energy thinking about and buying purchasing and trying to get ahead, okay? Moth and rust destroy this stuff, okay? Stock markets collapse. Housing markets collapse. Electronics go out of date. Things rust. Things break. Things become outdated. And Jesus is, uh, is teaching us the same lesson that history already teaches us. 
our stuff that we have here on this planet is not going to last. But Jesus knows the desires of our hearts. He knows that humanity will do whatever we got to do to try to provide happiness here on this life. And so we do everything we can, man. We want to get ahead. We hustle and we get our game on. And, 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 and you know, we, man, we, we're grinding. We're trying to work because, man, I'm trying to get that new house. I'm trying to get that new boat. I'm trying to get that new car. I'm trying to do what I got to do to try because we think somehow, and I've been guilty of it just like you, that this or that or whatever it is is going to make us happy. So Jesus is telling us, hey, don't treasure your treasures. Don't put stock. Don't treasure your treasures. Here's what he says in verse 19. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, where moss and vermin, which is another word for rust, destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, why did he talk about moth and rust as he's speaking to this large crowd on a hillside? Well, here's why I talked about moth and rust, because the, the two items back in 2,000 years ago that meant so much to these people that they were chasing after and they were trying to, to you know, gain wealth, the two items that were most important to them were expensive clothing and precious metals. Expensive clothing and precious metals. Now, some of you like nice clothes. I like nice clothes. Nothing wrong with not liking nice clothes, but it's a different level here in this context because nice clothes back then, what they would do is they would actually weave gold into the fabric of their clothes. That's a different level, y'all. And, and he was saying, hey, that moss, moss, that, that clothing is going to fall apart someday. It's not going to last forever. And then he says, he talks about rust because he's talking about precious metals. Where, man, the precious metals were a big deal back during this time. And precious metals are still kind of a big deal uh, in our time. But he's saying, hey, just so you know, moths are going to destroy those, that clothing, that expensive clothing. Rust is going to destroy those precious metals. And some of you go, that is so ridiculous. I can't even believe Man, what is wrong with them people 2,000 years ago putting so much energy and stock into clothes and precious metals? I just want you to fast forward 2,000 years from now if Jesus doesn't return by then, okay? I want you to think about what the sermon looks like 2,000 years from now that somebody is preaching somewhere where they're talking about, you know, 2,000 years ago, they were, they were really putting so much energy into flat screen TVs, they were really putting all this energy into cars that didn't even fly in the air. They're like, what? They, all they cared about was cars that you had to actually drive on, on the ground? They didn't even fly? What's wrong with those people? How could they put that kind of energy into those, those cars and those flat screen TVs? Jesus is saying, hey, don't treasure the things here on this planet. And then he says, not only is moth and rust going to destroy it, Burglars can come in and steal it. The word in, in Greek for this, the original language, is actually klepto, which is where we get the word kleptomaniac from, which is burglary, thief, stealing, okay? And he says thieves can come in and break and steal it. And so we do everything we can in the United States to try to protect our stuff, don't we? We got alarm systems. We got security. and Man, we do everything. You don't understand, Pastor? My security system is updated. It is brand new. Ain't no thief coming into my house. I, I, I'm doing everything I can to, to put as much security because, and, and so we actually put our money into things called securities. 
We're doing everything we can to try to make sure what we got here on this planet is secure. Now, some of you may say, is Jesus against us having stuff? No, he's not against you having stuff. Relax, everybody, okay? He's not saying, you know, you get your flat screen TV if you want. That's fine, okay? Get your, get your car. He's not against you having stuff. What Jesus is preaching here is he is against the selfish accumulation of stuff here on this earth where our focus, our time, and our energy is going towards I got to have more. I got to get mine while the getting is good. He's against that type of mentality. And I'm going to say it like this, and I don't mean to be offensive. I'm an American. I'm a good American, okay? But he's kind of against the American dream. The things that we put stock in, that we weigh to, put weight in, that we, we value. Because here's what you got to know. You can own stuff. That's fine. Flat screens, car, whatever you, it's all good, okay? But there's a big difference between owning things and things owning us. A huge difference between owning things and things owning us. I want to speak to, if you're uh, in this room and you are not a Jesus follower and, and somebody invited you to church and you're here and you don't even know about this God thing and now this guy's getting up here and shouting at you and all this, you're here going, I don't even know what I think. I just want to speak to you for a second because I love the fact that even people who are not Jesus followers understand the concept of generosity and giving. And if you're here in this room and you are generous, if you give to nonprofits, if you, if you are helpful to those that are in need, if you do those types of things, even if you're not a Jesus follower, here's the good news. You are actually emulating one of the values of God's heart even if you're not necessarily a Jesus follower. Isn't that amazing? But Jesus goes on to say this, verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And so here's, he's telling us, hey, don't treasure the things here on this, on this earth. I want you to send it on ahead. In other words, he's saying, let's go ahead and try to hoard in heaven. Try to put your investment, your treasure in heaven. There's a, a book out I recommend all of you read. I've read it a few times. It's called The Treasure Principle. If you really want to know what God's heart is regarding money, it's by the author's name is Randy Alcorn. And Randy Alcorn actually, he talks about this. He talks about the dot and the line. Let's go ahead and, and throw this picture up there, okay? And he says, the dot represents your life here on this earth, Okay? So your life on this earth represents a dot. The line represents eternity. It represents when we get to heaven. Okay? It represents forever. Let me just tell you how long eternity is. Eternity is forever. But when does it end? It doesn't end. It keeps going and going and going. Eternity goes longer than the Energizer Bunny, y'all. It just keeps going. And he says, hey, Randy Alcorn says, hey, you're living for the wrong part of life. You're putting so much stock and energy into the dot, and he's telling us you need to put more energy and thought and treasure into the line. You need to think about your eternity, where you're headed in heaven. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, send it on ahead. And in and, 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 uh Simon Peter, the apostle, 
uh, Peter actually says it like this. He's writing to, uh, in the Bible, and he says in 1 Peter 1, 3-4, he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in where? Okay, it's in heaven. It's not here. It's in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. In the next chapter, Peter actually writes these words. He, he reminds us that we are aliens and sojourners. In other words, this earth is not where we belong. We're just passing through, y'all. How many of you have ever driven through a state or a city or somewhere? Now, don't name it out loud. Don't offend people. But you've ever driven through a place that you were glad you didn't live in. Hello? Uh-huh. Yep. You drove through that and said, let's never drive through that place again. That's this earth. We're just passing through, y'all. We, we, we're just literally passing through compared to where we're going forever and ever and ever in eternity. And when we understand that we're just passing through, what we will choose to do is say, hey, I'm going to put treasure in the place where I actually belong. I don't belong here on this earth. I'm an alien here. I'm just passing through. I'm going to actually store up treasure in the place where I'm from, where I actually belong. Let's move on. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now Jesus makes us a heart issue. Everybody put your hand over your heart. Yeah, put your hand over your heart. The heart is the center of a person's affection and commitments. And take your hand off. If your treasure is in vacations, you're going to be miserable for 50 weeks out of the year. You're going to have a great two weeks. If your treasure is money, you're going to miss church, miss small group, you know, miss things that, that are going to help build your spiritual life because you're getting your grind on and you got to work. If your treasure is in flat screen TVs, the good news is you can keep going bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't even know what they're, how much bigger they can get before a TV takes up an entire room. Here's what Jesus is saying, y'all. Wherever your money goes, your heart's going to follow. Hmm. <laughs> Watch this. I would have liked it better the other way around. I would have liked it better if Jesus would have said, where your heart is, your money will follow. Because I just got to tell you something. Listen to me. Christy and I have dedicated our life to living God's principles when it comes to finances. So our entire married life, I was taught this as a child, okay? I'm teaching this to my kids. We, do, we tithe. We give 10% back to the Lord. My 11-year-old Lincoln tithes. When he gets $20, I say, What's the first thing we do? We tithe. How much is that? It's $2. It's 10%. Back to the local church, Dad. You're getting it, son. You're getting it. So here's what you have to understand. We don't wake up every month and feel this, like, goosebump thing and go, yay, I get to tithe. There are times where it feels that way, where it feels great when you're writing that check or doing the automatic, you know, withdrawal or whatever. Here's what I know. I'm going to put my money where I want my heart to be. 
I'm going to send my money ahead because I know that my heart is going to follow. I don't give the kingdom builders just because there's they're little kids that we're going to help in a you know, in a third world somewhere. Listen, I can get up, and I'm pretty good at it. I can tell you sob stories and make you cry. Say, give to kingdom builders. We're helping missionaries around the world. Give to these projects. Oh, yes, pastor, I will. Thank you. Here, take it all, pastor. Take it all. You can, you can have it all. Listen, I'm not, I'm not against any of that, but what I'm telling you is it's not about your heart being moved and then your money following. It's about saying, I'm going to put my money there because my heart's going to follow my money. So good, Pastor. Keep going. I will. Here we go. Verse 22. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Now, if you're like me, the first few times I read this, I go, are we still talking about money? How do we get into the eyes? Now we're talking about darkness and light and all of that. Listen, Jesus is not talking about your physical eyesight here. What he's saying is that when it comes to this principle of how we handle our finances, he's saying, here's the deal. Your perspective needs to change. The way you see money and your resources needs to change. And he says, when you don't have my perspective, when you don't have the perspective that you are hoarding money into heaven, that you're sending it ahead, when you don't have that perspective, your vision is blurry. You don't have the right perspective. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Jesus is basically asked this question, who or what are you serving? Who or what are you serving? He plainly says we can't serve two masters. And he's talking about God and money. And the main thing that Jesus is saying, he's not just talking about where you spend your money. He's not as interested in the money as he is in you. Hello? Let me just tell you something. Look this way. God don't need your money. God not up in heaven going, man, if they don't give, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, this whole thing could shut down. God's not turning to the Holy Spirit up in heaven going, I don't even know. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's month to month right now, Holy Spirit. I don't know. I don't know. I hope they can keep the lights on in that place. I don't know. No, it ain't about that. What Jesus understands is that money has more to do with our hearts than it has to do with money. He's more interested in you. He's more interested in what's happening in your heart. And he's interested. I just got to tell you, Jesus doesn't do good when he's a part of your life. Jesus says, I don't play all that, homie. He doesn't say homie, but you get that. Jesus says, I got to be first. I got to be everything. I got to be all. He doesn't share with other gods in our life. He is first. He is primary. He doesn't want a slice of the pie of your life. He says, I own the whole pie, sucker. It all belongs to me. It's all mine. And greed, greed is the insidious desire for more. 
And what it does, greed preaches one sermon to us, and it preaches it loud and clear. Greed says this, if you just get that, you're going to be more happy. And then you get that, and greed preaches the same sermon, doesn't it? No, no, no. I know you got that, but what about this? Now you need this. Here's what I want you to know. You can write this down. Money is either a master in your life or it's a servant. It's either a master in your life or it's a servant. Either your money owns you or you are telling your money what's happening. Money, there is no neutral with it. It's either a master or a servant. And God wants us to use money to propel his kingdom forward. And sometimes, I've been guilty of it in my life more than once. I could tell you stories. I could tell you stories about when I had money saved up for a boat. And that boat thing's a whole other story because we poured so much money into that dumb boat that I used five times and spent more time in the shop than it did on the water. And I just was so excited about this boat that I had to have to go fish in the bayou. And then I got stuck on, on Lake Pontchartrain one day and, I could tell you so many stories about that boat. But I remember I'd saved saved up $1,000 for that boat. And a missionary came, touched my heart. And I gave that $1,000 I had saved up for that boat. And I thought for sure God was going to turn around. Somebody was going to hand me a check, $2,000 really soon. Because God was going to go, I I love you, thank you. I see your heart. Here's $2,000 for your boat. Because God gives me the desires of my heart. It never happened. I got I to be honest with you. I was mad. Who were you mad at? I was mad at God. I gave money towards missions. and I, You know, tears in my eyes that Sunday. I walked away after the tears were removed and thought, okay, God, watch what you do. And God said, okay, and he did nothing. Because he's more interested in me than my money. And I've had times where money has been my God. I've had times in my life where I've been led by money and had too many priorities and decisions that were based on money. By the way, if you make decisions solely based on money, that is one of the greatest mistakes you'll ever do in your whole life. Listen, one of my favorite things to do as a pastor is to baptize people in water. It is amazing. If you haven't been baptized in water and you're a Jesus follower or you've come back to Christ recently, listen, I'm going to encourage you, be baptized in water. As soon as a chance comes up, soon, I want you to be baptized in water. But here's what's happening. When you get baptized in water, you're saying the old is gone, the new has come, and Jesus, everything I own belongs to you. When we baptize you in water, we're saying, Your thoughts now belong to God. Your actions belong to God. Your language and speech belongs to God. Your home belongs to God. Your truck belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Well, I work hard for my truck. It ain't your truck. It's God's truck. He gave you the breath to work. He gave you the hands to work. It belongs to him. It's my house. I'm really good at sales. I'm the one that closed the deal. I didn't see God closing the deal on the car. 
beside me. I was the one that closed that deal. No, listen to me, friends. It belongs to God. So if God wants you to use your home to host small group, you better be hosting a small group because that house doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And one of my friends recently said that many people, when they get baptized in water, they get baptized in water, but they take their wallet out of their pocket and they hold it in the air to make sure it didn't go under the water. God, you can have everything but this. I still got this. He owns it all. He owns all of it. And for many people, this area of finances, I I would say there are two areas where you can really see if people are ready to grow and really walk with God in a serious way. The first is people's view on sexuality. And the second is their view on finances. In fact, a pastor and a theologian who's much smarter than me said it like this. He said there can be no significant spiritual growth unless you put money and your attitude towards it in God's hands. Some of you wonder why you're not growing. You wonder why you are stagnant spiritually, why you have not taken a step up, why you have not gone to the next level in your growth and your walk with God. And I'm here today to tell you that if you haven't figured this area out yet, and put this area of finances in God's hands, you are killing your spiritual growth. And God ain't going to move on and continue to grow you spiritually until you get this. Hello? Well, what are you saying, Pastor? As Christy and the band come, here's my main point. Only what is forever is true treasure. Only what lasts forever is true treasure. Money can be used for the forever part of our journey. It can't make you happy. And if you're like me, you know, you hear that. People, people that are rich have a lot of money. By the way, people that are rich don't believe they're rich. Because every time, you know, say you're rich. No, I'm not rich. Who's rich? person who has more than me, they're rich. And, but, but rich people will say, money can't make you happy. And how many of you all have ever had the thought? I know, but I sure would like to try. can't make you happy. So here's a question I have for all of us today. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to say anything out loud. I want you just to ponder this. This is your take home. This is your question. Are your decisions about money based on God's perspective of money or yours? Are your decisions about money based on God's perspective of money or yours? Well, how does God view money? We're going to get into that in the next few weeks. We're going to walk through the biblical uh, ways that God views money, the way the Bible talks about saving and investing, and a thing called the tithe and generosity, how God views money. We're going to cover that. But I, I want to give you an underlying principle that all of you need to understand because this is the number one principle that God has, not just about money, but about everything. The Apostle Paul or St. Paul, as some of you may know him, wrote to a church in, first century, in the first century uh, uh, city called Corinth. And he said it like this when he wrote to that church in the city called Corinth. He said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
What does he mean here by jars of clay? Let me just break this down for you in simple terms. When Paul is writing about jars of clay, he's talking about people. He's talking about you. He's talking about your neighbor. Paul's talking about the person sitting across the room from you right now. Paul's talking about the person in our community that we want to know Jesus Christ that we're trying to reach. Paul's talking about the person around the world that our kingdom builders is going to bless as we give towards our missions projects around the world. He's saying, you want to know what God's treasure is? It's not in flat screen TVs. It's not in cars. It's not in boats. It's not in stocks and bonds. God finds his treasure in people. So when, when you're wondering, do God's, does God's view of money and my view of money line up? The number one question you have to ask yourself is, am I giving to help people? Am I trying to use my money as a resource to help people so I can send it on ahead, so I can hoard my treasure in heaven? God's treasure is in people. Is yours. Now, here's what I want to tell you. For some of us this year, and including the church, okay, I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a tough year financially. For some of us, the toughest year we've had in a long, long time. Okay, it's been a tough year for Christy and I personally. It's been a tough year for the, the church. But I just got to tell you, we didn't change anything. Christy and I didn't stop tithing. We're giving to Kingdom Builders. We're, we're, we're moving forward. Because, you know, here's what I know. I've served God long enough to know this. And the people wiping tears from their eyes as we sing about God's goodness a few minutes ago, they can tell you this true, too. God's good, y'all. He's going to take care of me. He always does. I don't have to worry. God's going. I trust in the provider, not in the provision. He's going to take care of my needs. He's going to take care of your needs. He cares about you. He doesn't want you to starve. He wants a roof over your head. He wants to take care of your children. He, he cares about you. He is not going to let you fall to the wayside. But that doesn't mean that we get to escape the fact that we have to surrender our finances to the Lord. We have to give it all to Him. He wants to sit on the throne of your hearts. He wants to make sure that money is not on the throne in your life, but that he is. Amen? He's on the throne of your life. With every head bowed, all, all eyes closed, all across this room. Right now, as we get ready to close, if you're here today and you'd say, Wayne, you've been talking about God owning my life and being the, the center and the Lord and all of my life, but here's the deal. I don't know if that's true in my life. The good news is it's not about your good works. It's not about you trying harder. It's not about any of that. The good news is all you have to do to surrender, not just your finances, but your whole life to the Lord, is to say, I believe that Jesus lived a perfect life. I believe he died a, gru a gru gru gruesome death, and I believe he rose from the dead. I want to put my faith, my hope, my trust in that to make him my savior, but not just my savior, but to also make him the Lord, the leader, the boss over my life. 
that's you and you want to walk out of this room knowing you are right with God because of a right relationship with Jesus, and, and you want to walk out and say, I know that I'm right with God, or I know that I got right with God again, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hands. You'd say, Pastor, please include me. 